to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast, where I like to give what I call blue jeans theology. That is theology for everyday life. I believe that the Bible can be the single most powerful factor in a transformed life when it is read humbly and wisely and rightly and received uh, really before God and under God. And so, man, I've made it my passion, my life's ambition, just to try to present the Bible in a way that anybody and everybody can understand it so that they can respond to it with God, for God, and for His glory. And that's the heart of this show. And as I mentioned on last uh, week's episode, uh, we're approaching the two-year anniversary of the Bible and Life podcast. That will really come in the next week or so, but this month is sort of like the two-year anniversary of the podcast. And and because of that, I would love to hear from some of you. Uh, I would love for you just to email me, shoot me a, a, an email or message me through Instagram and let me know how the podcast has helped you grow in your faith, some way that it's encouraged you, just kind of the impact on you. And I might even share some of those over the next few weeks on the show. And so if the podcast has been helpful to you and helped you grow in your faith, if there's just any way it's even strengthened you or encouraged you, shoot me a message, let me know, and I would love to to hear from you, get to know you, and maybe even share that on the show over the next couple of weeks. So we have been dealing with uh, a series over the last handful of episodes on discipleship, and what we have been really trying to do is just look at various facets of that and explore what does it really mean to be a disciple of Jesus. Um, you know, the mission that Jesus gave us as his people is to to go and make disciples, and uh, so that that means that if we're going to be disciples, we make disciples. What does that mean? And just some of the things related to that. So we've been exploring that, and on our last episode, we talked about um, just some questions that people have about discipleship and some things that are involved in that, and we kind of ran out of time before we got to the end of all those questions, and the last question was, well, how do you do discipleship? And that was such an important question. I just didn't want to rush through it on our last episode. So decided to save it for this episode. So that's what we're going to talk about on this episode is how do you do discipleship? And we ended our last episode with the question, well, just what are some things that discipleship is not? And we pointed out that it's not classes. It's not programs. It's not even events. Those things can be strategies or part of a kind of a plan for being disciples or making disciples, but discipleship in and of itself is simply the process by which we are disciples of Jesus. It's it's the process by which we follow Jesus and become like Jesus so that we can do the things that Jesus did. That in a nutshell is what discipleship is. It's, it's simply the process of following Jesus. Well, how do you do that? And that's what we want to explore on this particular episode. And I want to begin that discussion by actually listening to the words of Jesus from a fairly well-known invitation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. This particular passage will give us some insight into how we do discipleship, as well as the promise that discipleship has for us. So listen to these words from Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus says this, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so as we listen to these words of Jesus, this really is an invitation to discipleship. It's an invitation uh, to, to come and be Jesus' disciples. And just uh, by way of kind of cultural background, first off, there's the literal imagery lying behind these words that sort of fades into the background once we understand what Jesus is actually saying. The literal imagery is that of a, a yoke, meaning like two oxen yoked together to uh, pull a plow and plow a field, or um, two horses yoked together to pull a wagon. That's the literal imagery behind these words, but that imagery sort of fades into the background when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, because that that imagery had really just become sort of language for discipleship for a master or a rabbi disciple relationship that we talked about several episodes ago when Jesus says my yoke he is talking about his teaching his understanding of the way of God his understanding of the law of God and how the law of God then is supposed to be carried and played out in life so he's talking about his teaching every rabbi had a yoke, and their yoke was their approach to God, and their approach to Scripture, and their approach to walking with God. And so when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, what he is really saying is, become my disciple. Uh, learn my way of life. Learn my understanding of God. Learn my understanding of Scripture. Learn from me. And so you hear that in verse 29 when he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He is really inviting people to become his disciple and him to become their teacher in the school of life. And so as our rabbi, Jesus has a yoke. He has an approach to God and God's word and scripture. And as his disciple, our job is to uh, take his yoke upon us, right? Like submit to his yoke and let him teach us. And so that's the heart of discipleship is learning from Jesus. Notice again, verse 28, come to me. We said a couple weeks ago that you can't be a discipleship without uh, being with Jesus, right? Like you're going to be with Jesus in the school of life, wearing his yoke, learning from him. That's the essence of discipleship. And so there's this withness, this with Jesus. So come to me. And notice who the invitation is for. All of you who are weary and heavy laden, weary and burdened down with the weight of life. Do you catch that? Like, who doesn't feel that? Like, the longer we live life, the heavier life gets in some regards. That all of a sudden there's... There's difficulties, there's struggles, there's the reality of the pressures of life, there's uh, the re realities of injustice that we can't solve and questions that we can't answer. And so if you've ever felt just like weary, like tired, like this underlying kind of chronic fatigue, this underlying just, man, I'm just tired. Life has just worn me out. And you're not sure what to do about it. Jesus says, come to me. Become my disciple. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. 
for I am gentle and humble of heart. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be harsh and overbearing. I'm gentle and humble of heart, he says, and notice this, and you will find rest. Not like cheap escapism rest, but you will find rest for your souls. And here's what he says about his yoke, his way, his teaching, um, his approach to life and God and, and all of that. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love what one commentator says on this text where he really provides this contrast for us to make sure we hear what Jesus is actually saying and saying well. uh, Frederick Dale Bruner says in his commentary on Matthew, he says, Notice that Jesus isn't offering us an escape from the heaviness of life and the weariness of life and the difficulties of life. He's not offering an escape. He's offering us equipment to deal with it. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is like, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. He's offering us equipment, not escape. What equipment is he offering? He's offering his teaching. He's offering for us to partner up with him, pair up with him, uh, yoke up with him, and learn from him. And in the equipment of his yoke, we will find rest for our souls. That is a beautiful picture of what discipleship is and what discipleship to Jesus offers and promises us. So now how do we do that? That's the question, all right? That's all nice. That sounds great. But how do we do this at a concrete, practical level? And there's various kind of components of that. And in fact, as I reflect on the question, there's actually I don't know, different sort of ways of looking at that question. So I'm just going to kind of speak to several of those different ways. First off, just personally, like you yourself, me, myself, how do you do discipleship? How do I do discipleship? Just how do, you, how do we actually do this? And the key focus of that is simply following Jesus. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Like the key issue in in discipleship is simply following Jesus. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means imitating the details of his life. Like to to be a disciple, we've talked about this, that um, in a nutshell, what that means is to be an apprentice, right? Like it was to be a, a student learner, but not in the sense of sitting in a classroom. It's learning how to do life by observing, watching, listening, and then putting it into practice. So since you're Jesus' disciple, and since he is your rabbi, then that's what you do. You imitate the details of his life, which means you read the Gospels, and you see how Jesus arranged his life, organized his life, and you figure out how in your own context you could do that. And yes, you're going to have to extrapolate some things out. You're going to have to kind of, okay, well, Jesus didn't you know, have my exact circumstances, my exact situation, but if he did have my circumstances and my situation, if he were living um, his life as if he were me, what would he do? How would he do it? based on what I see him doing in the Gospels. And so that's really important. You, you need to pay attention to Jesus' overall pattern of life. Not just what he did when he was on the spot, not just what he did when he was in the spotlight, but what he did behind the scenes. And so some of the things you see with Jesus is him 
regularly, getting up early, going away to be by himself, to pray and be, be with God, right? Those sorts of things. We, we do that. We imitate his overall approach to life. It's clear that Jesus immersed himself in scripture because he quotes it at will and he challenges people to think about it. And so what would that look like in my life, in your life? And so we imitate the details of his life. In fact, Dallas Willard, in a book that has been very influential for me, called The Spirit of the Disciplines, Dallas Willard has a whole chapter on the secret of the easy yoke, reflecting on this passage. And one of the things he points out in that chapter is the thing that's difficult for us really is um, to to try to to have the, the effect of Jesus' life um, to have the experience of Jesus' life without without imitating the details of Jesus' life, without imitating the way Jesus arranged his life, like that just isn't going to work for us. We we what Dallas Willard says is we really want the benefit and the experience and the goodness and the rest that Jesus offers us and that Jesus models for us and the joy that Jesus models. We want that while doing life as normal like doing life like everybody else does, and that doesn't work. And so if we want to be his disciple, the key thing is imitating the details of Jesus' life, arranging our life like Jesus would if he were living our life in our place. What what does that look like for you? That is the heart of how you do discipleship. So here's what I would say. I would say read the Gospels. Pay attention to the details of Jesus' life and then arrange those things into your life and figure out what that looks like in your context and enter into it with an attitude of experimentation, right? Like the, the, the plan, the spiritual disciplines we see that Jesus practiced, those are, those are again, from Dallas Willard, those are not a checklist for us to measure our spirituality by their wisdom for us to become like Jesus. And so, Read the Gospels, pay attention, and then arrange those things into your life. Imitate it and figure out what it looks like for you. And as you're doing that, remember the ultimate goal, again, that we talked about a few weeks ago. The goal is to become like Jesus from the inside out, which means ultimately that you will love God like Jesus loved God, and you will love people like Jesus loved people. That's the heart of it. That's the goal. That's what we're after. And so we we arrange our life like Jesus arranged his life so that we can be with God, so that we can become like Jesus from the inside out. Now, I know that's pretty broad. I know that's pretty big. We've talked about some of the details of how to do that in earlier episodes. And so you might go back and listen to those if you if you haven't already. But that's the heart of it. That's the heart of how you do discipleship is you imitate the details of Jesus' life. Um, the way John Mark Comer says it, that I think is really insightful and important, is this, is that if you want to experience the life of Jesus, then you have to imitate the lifestyle of Jesus. That contrast, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, all the, the rest and the joy and the peace and the love of Jesus, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, then you have to imitate the lifestyle of Jesus, meaning all the things he did, even behind the scenes that made his life possible. And so that's ultimately how we do discipleship personally. Now, another aspect of that question, how do you do discipleship, that may be more what someone was thinking, I'm not totally sure, is this. Well, what if you're discipling somebody? How do you do that? How do you disciple someone else 
so that they can grow in their faith and they can become like Jesus. Um, and again, that that's really important for us to think about. Like, how do I how do I help somebody else be a disciple of Jesus? And it depends sort of on the stage they're at in their discipleship journey. And so if someone is a fairly new disciple, let's just focus on that. They're a newer believer, a newer or younger believer in Jesus. What should you do? Here's my recommendation. Really simple, really honest. I think simple is best because simple is reproducible. It's repeatable, right? I'm just convinced that the best thing we can do with a newer or younger believer in Jesus is simply read the scriptures together and then process those scriptures in the context of each other's life. I, I think that's the best curriculum. I know there's all sorts of books out there and discipleship curriculum, a new discipleship plans, and this organization has their curriculum and this organization has their curriculum. The problem is every single one of those curriculums tell you this. Make sure you get someone reading the Bible and praying. Oh, and also have them read a chapter out of this, this book this week, and then we're going to get together and talk about it. Why don't we just read the Bible and pray together? And then talk about that in the context of our life. I honestly think that's the simplest approach, the best approach with somebody who is fairly new to the whole game. In fact, on my website, I have a a Bible reading plan. I'll put a link to it down below if you want to check it out. But I have a Bible reading plan on my website that was originally designed for, at the last church I was pastoring at, just for that purpose. Like, for more mature believers to use in relationship with younger or newer believers just to read scripture together and then process that in the context of each other's life. I refer to it on my website as the follow Jesus reading plan because that's really what it is about. And so it focuses on uh, the gospel of Mark so that you can get to know Jesus and what he's like and who he is. And then some of the key passages out of the letters of the New Testament that help us learn the way of Jesus because the letters of the New Testament are sort of like applied Jesus, and so help us learn the way of Jesus, as well as some of the Psalms to help us learn how to pray. And it's simply reading scripture together uh, over over a span of 25 or so weeks, where then we can get together after reading three or four passages a week and get together and just process what struck us in that reading and, and how God spoke to us and how maybe we need to uh, adjust our life to follow him better. And so I honestly think that's the best curriculum. And so if you want to disciple somebody who's a newer or younger believer, then I would say start by simply reading scripture together and processing that in the context of your life. If you're looking for a plan for that, you can check out that reading plan on my website. I'll put a link again down to that in the notes down below. <clears throat> One other little angle on this uh, question that I, I just want to think through real quick with you, and that is a kind of a word to churches. If you're a pastor, if you're an elder, if you're a church leader of any kind, here is what I would say to churches. My question for you would be, what is your plan for creating a culture of discipleship? Notice that, a culture of discipleship, right? Like that's not going to happen on accident. And for too long, churches their plan, their strategy has simply been, well, if we can get people to come to church on Sunday and participate in a worship service, and then if we can get them to serve in some capacity in the church, greet at the door, volunteer in the kids' ministry, or something like that, and then if we can get them to, to tithe, um, and then hopefully maybe we can get them to go to a small group, boom, they're going to become like Jesus. And for the most part, it just hasn't been a very successful plan. So 
what is your plan to create a culture of discipleship so that your church can actually be a greenhouse for growing mature disciples? That it can become a, a greenhouse that helps people go from unbeliever to new believer to growing believer to mature believer. What's your plan for doing that? And here's one of the beautiful things is the, the pandemic that has caused churches in our country and really even in other parts of the world to sort of shut down for a little bit of time and not meet and do their normal activities. Now when we're beginning to come out of that, we actually have an opportunity to rethink our culture of discipleship, to rethink our discipleship process and pathway and plan. It's an opportunity for a fresh start and to do things differently. And so I would encourage you pastors and elders, don't waste it. Don't waste this opportunity. Take an intentional look at your discipleship process. How do you how do you move someone down the path from pre-faith to new faith to young faith to growing faith to mature faith? How do you move somebody intentionally down that path? Uh, what are the greatest needs of those new to the faith? How do you intentionally meet those needs? What are the greatest needs of those who are growing or more mature in the faith? How do you meet those needs? What what shifts can you make relationally in your congregation for the sake of discipleship since discipleship always happens in a one another culture? How can you rearrange things so that you can more intentionally learn and practice the way of Jesus together wherever you live, right? Like, how do you do that? What is your plan to create a culture of discipleship? If you, if you want to process that even a little bit, you got questions about that, man, shoot me an email or message me in some way and just say, I would love to talk with you about that. I, I would love to talk with you too about that and help you think that through some. Because there really are just some handful of keys that we need to think through, like a clear path. Do you have a clear path? Do you have a specific plan to move people down that path? And do you have... Uh, a relational environment, a one another culture that will actually help facilitate moving people down that path. Those things are critical. And what does that look like and how do you do that? And so that's my word to churches on this. How do you do discipleship? Well, you have to create a culture. You can't just have uh, you know, a, a discipleship class. You can't just have even a discipleship program. You've got to have a discipleship culture that includes a discipleship path and a discipleship process that moves people down that path in a one another environment. How do you do that? And post-pandemic, you have a great opportunity to think that through, so don't waste it. Don't waste that opportunity. Think that through very intentionally. Again, Jesus is offering us this incredible gift. Come to me, he says, all who are just weary and tired out and fatigued with life, who are frustrated and discouraged by life under the sun in the language of Ecclesiastes, where, man, things just don't always make sense. Things don't always add up. Things go wrong. Injustice happens. The world isn't all it's cracked up to be. Now, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and Jesus says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Become my disciple, for I'm gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That is the invitation to discipleship. And my prayer is for you, for me, for our churches, is that we would do uh, increasingly a better job at rearranging things to be disciples who make disciples and help other people experience really the rest and the beauty and the joy that life in Jesus has to offer. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. 
I pray it was encouragement to you. I pray this whole series on discipleship is an encouragement to you. This is such an important topic. It's such a passion of mine. So uh, don't just blow by it. Spend some time prayerfully considering how you are intentionally following Jesus, how you can help other people do that as well. And if you're a pastor or a church leader, how your church can become really a place that helps people grow as disciples of Jesus. Once again, The Bible in Life is a listener-supported show and a listener-supported ministry. If you want to if you want to support the show, then check out the link down below for World Family Mission or my Patreon page and become a patron or a supporter of the show in whatever way you can, small or big. It's all a tremendous blessing and a tremendous help, and it helps people all around the world be able to have access to this Bible teaching resource. God bless you guys. I look forward to talking to you again next week.